Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you, if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out, John O'White, or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I 
have coached leader after leader after leader. And in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult. And, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Ugo Batayar. He is the founder and CEO of Gourmet Pro, and he's now based in Tokyo. But as we just discussed before recording, he did spend some time studying in the beautiful Brisbane where I'm based. I always love to give a shout out to, uh, to Brisbane. Ugo, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> well, first of all, uh, I gave a little bit of an intro there, but can you tell our listeners about what you do in your role and what you do at Gourmet Pro. All right. So I'm the I'm founder uh, of Gourmet Pro. So I founded the company two years ago, end of uh, 2019. And I'm the CEO. So basically, I try to have the vision and uh, recruit the right people and, and somehow uh, uh, provide the right service for my clients. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> Amazing. My organization. Yeah. Well, thank you for telling us a little bit about uh, what you do in your role. And we will hear a bit more about Gourmet Pro through today. But um, interested to know some of your story, Ugo. Uh, what is, you know, as you look back, even all the way back to childhood, when you were growing up, are there any moments from that time of your life that really stand out that shaped you to become the person and the leader you are today? Wow, uh, that far. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, when I was really young like I started like at four I was like in martial arts and I went pretty high level but again really 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 young so somehow uh it, it was it was more like of an individual sport right so you don't necessarily find the same kind of uh, team spirits as when you're, you're doing a collective sport but it felt like it was really still um something where you need to master yourself and understand the other uh, in order to succeed. So I think that was my first, I'm not, I, I won't say like this is leadership, uh, but like, like experience with empathy and trying to understand the other person and respect uh, the other person, like uh, through some discipline, right? Mm. So what was it about? Was... Why did that? Why did that come to mind? Martial arts? Because it's a lot about um it, it's a it's a lot about like uh respecting the other and for me like i think in, in like a leader needs to both respect and understand empathize with the people you lead so that's why that's the first thing that came to mind in in my uh story i guess um yeah i love that it, yeah um and again like you you even though it's individual you're always confronted to somebody else right so and even if it's like a uh, an, on, on the opposite side, it, it's not just free for all and, and you're angry at them. And, you know, like it's not like a fight in the street, right? It's really about um, applying your technique and yeah. understanding the other, uh, the other um, technique, the other person's technique and in order to, to, to get the best of it. Um, 
so for me that's why like uh i thought about that like really like this respect this empathy this um like reaction and uh even like prediction of what they should that they're gonna do you can mm. apply a lot of it in, in in leadership because again it's for me leadership is a lot about understanding the people you're, yeah. leading, you're leading in order to get the best of them yeah that's wonderful i always love the stories that come to mind for people from when they're four and five. And it always fascinates me how those early memories really do shape uh, how we lead. Uh, what about as you grew a bit older, uh, do you, are there any moments um, as you were growing up that also stand out for you as being really pivotal in shaping you, uh, to, you know, into the person you are? Oh, uh, so as I was growing up, like more in the teenage years, um, was really more about having fun to be honest so i i don't, I don't know if it really shaped my leadership uh but af afterwards more it felt like uh the, the the first internship i had actually was in japan you, yeah it kind of felt like it just puts you into in place because you're like oh i, I know what i'm doing uh you know i've studied this for years now and you get to your first role and then you you kind of realize like you suck at it really bad <laughs> uh, for me it was software engineering and i was like wow and, and i had this moment like the, the first maybe three weeks where i felt like they're gonna fire me like i mean like even if it's an internship like i'm, I'm good at nothing and everything and for me like that's maybe like the first time i really understood the the need for a good leader and a good manager uh because the, the person then like actually uh is what well, is an australian from delayed um yeah yeah and and it really like took this role of mentor and just like made me feel safe uh safe at failing safe like trying again trying always doing to push me and yeah that really like gave me confidence i needed to start my career basically even though i was not even <laughs> uh uh a full-time person yeah that was just uh, an intern but uh yeah it, it really i think it was really beneficial for me at the time yeah that's wonderful i love hearing about mentors and great leaders uh are there any moments that come to mind of how you know that leader uh that aussie <laughs> led you that really come to mind that were that were uh, particularly important moments where you saw uh you know a situation handled well or you thought you were in, in trouble for failing and, and just approached you differently. Like any moments that really stand out in, in how you were led during that season? Um, so I think like, yeah, like I was saying, like I think at around the third week, uh, I kind of like felt like I had nothing, you know, and like I, I didn't make any progress in what I was supposed to do. And I just had a conversation with him Whereas like, I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> I mean, like, I just, I keep reading documentation. I keep just like being locked in this uh, situation of like, I don't know where to start basically. And at that time, yeah. like really like the, the, the advice was more like, you know, just let's just break into small pieces and just start with one small piece and then go from there. And so this idea of like, you know, you see this big problem. Yeah, I mean, it's really cliche, but like when, when you're starting, that's the kind of stuff you've never heard about. Like, 
how to break down yeah. a big problem into smaller pieces, right? Um, and, and I was like, yes, okay, let's do the first step. The first step is what? Even <laughs> just like the first question is like, what is the first step? Right? And uh, instead of thinking like, <laughs> yes. resolve this whole problem. And, and we went through this together, not like solving the problem, but just like breaking it down. And that felt like really, yeah, reassuring. And I'm like, oh, I, I can do it. Maybe I, can, <laughs> I may have the chance <laughs> to do something. That's so good though, because it's not just working out what to do. It's having someone, sometimes I know for me, I've been in exactly the same, uh, you know, like the same mindset where you're looking at something and you're going, I can't do this. This is too big. I, well, you're not even thinking it's too big. You're just thinking, I don't, I don't see how I'm going to do this. It, it seems yeah. impossible. And it's the person with a different perspective who can help you even ask that question. Well, what's, what's the first step? Sometimes yeah. just having that person external to you asking you that question and not just going, Oh, you'll work it out and moving on is, is massive. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's amazing that that sticks in your mind so much. Um, yeah, yeah. Any, anything else? Like I, I'm always interested to know what was it about how you were led that you think made it so positive? Are there any particular patterns? Are there any particular moments in, in how things were handled that you go, Oh, actually that was really helpful or that was particularly meaningful to me. So there are several, but like another one, like I had later with another person, uh, another leader, like this guy, a British guy who I really respected because he was really great at what he was doing. You know, he was a PhD and he was good both in terms of uh, just the, the technical aspect, but also the like taking care of us. Uh, like really this aspect of every time there was a win, he was always trying to push the credit to us. And every time there was a problem, he was always there to support us. And one particular moment of the bad times where I, when I was younger, I was really like um, impulsive and kind of when, and really everything would need to be black and white. <laughs> and, and at some point, like I got in trouble with uh, like a, a really higher up in, in the hierarchy who just like for me, like he, he was not like honest in our discussion and it brought like it it led to like some big not misunderstanding but really more like misinformation um and i got super angry and i just like stormed in the ceo's office and i said i just said like this is not possible i just really like uh um blamed the other guy and i was like after after that episode i was like i'm gonna get fired or i don't know you know it was it was really really bad but somehow my manager stood up for me and you know and i was fine right um, yeah and, and for me like it was felt like it was a really risky situation for him just to take my defense uh whereas like i was i was a junior guy <laughs> you know i had maybe like one or two years experience total not just in the company and 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 the fact that that person just uh stood up for me i felt like this is the kind of person i want to be in the future right i always have the back of the person i lead yeah of course except if i don't believe in them that would be bad but like the fact mm. that he believed in me uh and 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 not just believe but also acted on it was a, a really great um a great example of, of leadership that I will never forget. Yeah. 
Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And uh, it's it's one of the things that comes up again and again and again on this podcast is people remember leaders and, and it ne- we never forget when a leader stands up for us and has our back. And like yeah. you said, when which is and part of that is giving credit for the wins and jumping in and taking responsibility, taking shared responsibility, taking the hit for losses is is really so much of what great leadership is about. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, and, and then I had another kind of, I think it's less of a moment, but more of a general philosophy is at some point I worked with a, like an online fitness company and my manager there, like, st- like he had one-on-ones with people. And for me, the experience of like the, the closest to that was like kind of performance review or something, you know? And the first time I went to this one-on-one, he was like, so how you been feeling this month? And I was like, this is not how <laughs> a performance review or something, or something like this uh, usually happens. <laughs> um, and it was not about performance. It was not about uh, the work itself. It was more about me growing and like feeling yeah uh i my feelings in the company the fact that like am i am i growing there am i in the right position am i doing the right thing do i have some goals let's set up some goals together but not about like achieve a performance but more like growth goals right like where do you want to be where do you want to go how can we align this with the goals of the company and and that really like that really changed my way of thinking about leadership um because Mm. it was the first time even i I had to reflect on myself you know it was like somebody like somebody asked me like all right so what did you do wrong what did you do good this month right and what would you like to start what 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 would you like to stop so (laughs) i was like wow uh never thought about that Uh, (laughs) you know what i love about that though hugo i love that the story it's not even about how significant the journey was that you went on with that leader. I think yes. so many of us forget. It's just like the fact that you were asked those questions authentically exactly. stuck out to you. And I think yeah. it's, but it's so hard because we get so busy, but just stopping blocking out the time and actually checking in like that can be yeah. so meaningful. That's just, I find that so surprising, but I, I understand it. But at the same time, it's counterintuitive that something so simple can, can be so meaningful to someone, but, but it's, um, that's what makes it so profound. I just really love that story. Yeah. And, and since then, I, all the, all the roles I've had, I've, I've had the same one-on-ones with people. I mean, same, like I kind of try to improve on it. You know, I have my, even have a template, I have all the questions I ask, but yeah, it's, it's something that I, I will keep my whole life, you know, is, that's the way I should work with people. I should always spend some time, like at least once a month, hopefully, uh, asking them the questions about how they're feeling, how they're good, like uh, what would they like to change, what, and help them. Uh, the only input I have is more like pushing them to set some directions for their own career, for their own goals, right? Yeah. All the rest is just about listening. That's so good. I mean, I'm so interested in this. I hope it's okay. I just want to ask you a bit more about it. Can you tell uh, listeners 
how you structure that meeting, just because I think this is something a lot of us can get better at. We can get better at our one-on-ones with how we run them for the people we lead. So what is a one-on-one? I know you just mentioned a few things there, but can you break it down for us what you do in a one-on-one with one of yeah. your team? So um, so first part is really just like, how was last month, right? Um, so I try to keep it as open as possible. Just like, how do you feel last month? And just like try to like kind of an interview, right? Uh, like a, not a not an interview for a job, like an interview like now, right? Just try to bounce on on, on stuff people say and try to get to yeah. a bit deeper, but no structure there for the first part. Then uh, and then after that, like we look at the previous one-on-one, like what we try to set as goals uh, or stuff to start, and like which I'll explain later. Um, and and just look at what was done and what was not done based on those, right? Um, and afterwards, yeah, and afterwards, uh, there is like really set the goals, which will be reviewed next month. And that like first is more abstractly just say like, okay, what 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 did you start this month that was great and you would like to keep doing? Then what are the new stuff you would like to start trying maybe? Um, and finally, what are the things you would like to stop? Like, you think that are not good for you? Yeah. And so simple. It's, yeah. It's really like a scrum, like, you know, retrospective of it, you know? Um, yeah. And, and afterwards, based on those, try to refine them into goals. And for me, the difference between start and stop and, and the goals is like, the goals needs to be verifiable or at best quantifiable. So for example, if I want to, if I say like, I would like to start reading about, I don't know, negotiation. Uh, okay, so that's a start, but then like, okay, now let's make it a goal. So all right, how many pages do you need to read this month? <laughs> <laughs> or like, is it a whole book? Is it gonna be at least, uh, I don't know, 10 articles, you know, do something which is at least verifiable. And like I said, like at best quantifiable. Um, yeah, that's and, so good. And, and th- so those those things are the things I will review the, the month after, right? In the after the fir- the first part, we will go through those and say like, so did you really start doing what you wanted to start? Did you stop? And in terms of goals, did you achieve those? Did you not achieve those? Uh, so people can really follow up. Like there is an actual follow up on what they say, and not just like um just setting things for for nothing. Um, that's so good sorry keep going yeah uh and so and after that there's uh, also like we have some midterm goals so that maybe like more like six months that we review or like if it's at the end of six months it's time to reset them else it's just like are we still aligned or are we still uh is it still relevant and have you achieved those um and finally the last part is more feedback to me or management in general so now we talked about you now, like, how do you feel about us, uh, about the company in general? Like, is there anything you would like us to improve um, or me personally, like anybody personally, but uh, yeah, like, yeah, just to have a, a feedback to the top. Uh, out of, out of those one-on-ones, do you, how does that work together with say team or organizational goals? Um. So for me, like I, I really, I really separate those, right? Like the 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 team goals, right? They are 
like really about like performance and uh, they are like more team conversations on an individual level it's more about like is there anything like i assume right and and that's where like the trust also comes into play that uh the the employee has the best interest for the company and wants to follow and then wants to achieve the goal of the team so when we set the goals like if they like either they make their the link to the company goals or sometimes i suggest it's like oh i you, you seem to be interested in this and the company needs that right now maybe this month you could focus on improving on, on that particular aspect so it would help you achieve the team goal while uh, being aligned with your own career growth path or something yeah that's interesting i like that so you do you have the team goals performance that's really team conversations but you only really bring them up individually if there's a clear connection yeah. uh, between the two that's exactly. that's interesting I, I love i love your process for your one-on-ones because um have you read the four disciplines of execution nope yeah it's like uh well you're you're using so many of the principles in those one-on-ones it's such a good book because that and it's so simple um because you're doing these things so well firstly it's about intentionally setting goals and i love what you said what did you say again it's not just about if uh if not there i'm going to mess it up what was that you said about verifiable or quantifiable or better quantifiable like verifiable or better quantifiable yeah Yeah, it's like you have a quantity of like you know even like you know in the goals i also i I have a section like personal goals like you want to i want to start running like all right how many kilometers do you want to run this month (laughs) or like per week or something you know yeah Uh, so that's that's yeah quantifiable or verifiable that's so good. And, and the thing that I find so interesting is, you know, the four disciplines of execution, they talk about wildly important goals, uh, you know, as, as an organization, and then breaking that down into lag indicators and lead indicators. But the thing that, that reminded me of what they talk about is that they talk about just having, uh, what is it like regular sort of accountability conversations as a team. And we overthink this so much, but all what all they're really saying is, set a goal, make it quantifiable or, you know, verifiable, preferably quantifiable, um, and then check in again. Like, that's it. It's not, it's not much more than that. It's amazing how much as human beings, once we have accountability and we know someone's going to be checking in with us, our reputation's on the line and things change. Yeah, I agree. That's, um... that's, that's amazing. That's why I love your process. And, and again, it's not even about shame, right? Like, if you don't achieve your goal, like for me, like when we have the conversation, uh, like, and something has not been achieved, it's more about like, all right, wh- why was this, right? Is there something else? Or finally, like, actually the goal was not right. Like you were not really into it. And maybe that it reveals something else. Like uh, I'm not, I, I just said that because I thought that was important to me, but maybe it's not important to me and I would like to focus on something else. So it's, again, for me, 100%. it's really different from a, like a team goal, like a, a company goal like there is like we need to get it right whereas like a personal goal like even if you don't achieve it that information is also valuable because you can understand why and mm. since you set it yourself right like it's not me who pushes your goals right so if you set that goal yourself and now you don't achieve <laughs> it so why not let's let's try to understand <laughs> why right i think uh, and i think we really underestimate just taking the time to invest in people and how much it needs, it doesn't need to be much. It can be simple things. Like what you're talking about is so simple. It's what spending an hour yeah. uh, 
asking some questions, listening, being present, and then following up and spending another hour down the track. Like that's, but when the other person, when the penny drops and they go, ah, this person actually cares about me and wants to help me. That's, that's so significant for people and we underestimate it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, I remember like when, when I, you know, like my previous job, like I was CTO of a, of a company in Japan and I started doing that with Japanese people who are not really used to that at all, like having to talk about feelings. And <laughs> I remember like the first, the first few meetings, people were like, what are we doing here? Kind of like, what? It's like, um, what am I feeling? I don't know. Like I've done this, I've done that. And I'm like, no, no, I don't. I know what you've done. I've been there. You know, I was, I could see you. Um, but I just would like to know, like, how you felt about all those things you've done. And like, do you think, like, you've done enough? Do you think you would do, you would like to do more? Do you think you would like to do something else or something different? Um, and so at the beginning, it was a bit tough to get to, to, to the actual core of what they were feeling, right? But afterwards, like when people understood the process and, and, and the goal, like then it, it became way more natural. And also like the one-on-ones would take longer <laughs> because people would like open more. And for me, that was a good sign that <laughs> yeah, it was like, oh, people are, people are actually expecting this meeting. They were like, actually, I was, I was, I was looking forward to it because I, was, I had a bunch of things to talk about and like, great, you know, that's, that's what it is for. <laughs> It's so good. And, and we can see that extra time that it takes with people. Like I know there'd be leaders going, Oh, I just don't have two hours. Uh, and we just need to change our mindset and realize this has been the biggest aha moment for me through this podcast is hearing great leaders talk about how leadership is about supporting your people. It's not about your people supporting you and doing things for you. Great leaders, they get in, they get in and they support their people. And I think if you, if you view it through that lens, then, then sacrificing those two hours to get in there and help that person and invest in them is such an investment. It's not a cost. It's an investment because if you can support that person to, to go to another level, not just for the sake of the company, but even just for the sake of just being a good person and investing in another human being. But there is also such a business payoff because people, we are, we're so loyal to someone who does that for us and it can be it can make the difference like it's it's uh, it can make the difference between someone leaving or staying or you know being there still being around when you finally have the chance to give them that opportunity that hasn't been there you know it's you don't want to do it just for that reason but it certainly does have it is a wiser move it's the wisest thing to do i think as a business owner business leader is to invest the time in your people and support them because it, it comes back to you in spades. Uh, I agree. I mean, like for me, it's, I mean, even, yeah, being purely pragmatic, like you said, it's an investment and I, I feel like it's totally worth it. And I know that it, it will pay back no matter what. And it will pay back both in terms of business, but also personally, because yeah, I think like for me, like uh, I get really personal in in the teams I'm I'm engaged with, and maybe that's also a fault. Uh, <laughs> but you grow you grow friendship, you grow yeah you know, attachment, and then your team is more like closer together just by being closer in general and understanding each other better. <laughs> One of my favorite things someone said on the podcast, I think it was on the podcast, 
is uh, they said, you want to hire people who, if you saw them on a Saturday at the, at the mall, you would, you wouldn't avoid them. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's so true. Like at the end of the day, people say you don't want to be friends with your people. You know, I'm like, well, at the end of the day, you just want to hire amazing people. You want to lead them really well. And that means difficult conversations. And that means like whenever you trust, there's going to be hurt. Like that's life. So you're going to be hurt. There's going to be pain at some point, but hire incredible people that you can do life with so that when you turn up to work, when you have to do extra work and work on a Saturday, you're looking forward to it because that you really love spending time with them because they're good people. Like I think that's to me, there's no other way. That's that has to be the best way to do work. And, and I don't really buy into the opposite view, which is that, you know, a bit, a bit more cynical that you can't be friends with the people on your team. I, I do believe that if you, if you lead well, if you truly know yourself and you're not afraid to admit mistakes and you can give clear expectations and feedback along the way, you can have great friendships with people that you're leading and have difficult conversations with them all at once. So, yeah, I mean, like so many things I want to react on this, but uh, one is um, maybe when you have a big corporations, you can afford you know, not being friend with the people you work with. But when you're in a startup and you're like three people just like battling for survival, I mean, you don't have a choice. You need to appreciate each other or because you spend so much time together. <laughs> uh, you, you have to do long hours and you always working together, uh, even in a remote setting somehow. Um, that if you don't like the other people you work with, just don't do it. It's not worth it, right? Like it's so hard already to have a successful startup. If you do it like uh, every day, you have to to suffer from like just being with people you're with. It's like, I, I wouldn't do it myself. I was like, no, I, I'm sorry. But like, this is not what I signed for. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, the second thing I want to say is, um, uh, yeah. Um, Uh, yes, um, there's one pitfall, though, that you, you should not fall into uh, mm. is that you should not be afraid to give feedback. Like, um, yes, for me, like, you know, this like, uh, as we call it, radical transparency uh, concept of, yeah, you need to be like, when there is an issue, you should not be afraid to tell that person. And as long as you set that up from the start in the relationship and it's part of like, you know, it's one of the constraint of the relationship, like maybe compared to a, a family member where you will always like be a, a bit more careful um, with team members. You cannot, uh, again, like, especially at the beginning when you're not, not, not many people, you cannot afford not to tell when something is not right. And it's hard. It's hard both to give and to receive. Yes. So you need to also be sure like the people can receive. Like else, uh, they. I mean, for me, like if, if people cannot receive the kind of feedback, uh, uh, we have some. Like everybody can have some time. Um, that won't work. And in the first interviews, I'm like, you know, that's m- one of the things you need to agree right from the start. <laughs> is like, we need to be hundred percent honest and brave about it. Like. Yeah. So. The only thing, like, of course, you should make constructive feedback in a sense, like, uh, it should not be just about the person. It really, like, it's about the goal right? and assume that everybody wants to achieve the same goal. And, but sometimes people do it the wrong way or so they, they don't realize something's wrong. And you need to be able to, to tell them. And at the same time, 
I expect people I work with to tell me right away if they feel something's wrong with me, right? Because I'm like, if you're not satisfied with me and you don't tell me, then you, you're just going to fester and I won't be able to improve. Maybe I will do something really wrong for the company, but also yourself personally, you'll, you'll keep feeling this yeah. resentment somehow uh, or frustration and maybe leave. And, and I can't afford that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. I, I think it's, um, and that's the beauty of what you just said. I think there's some things there that are great. It's a great litmus test. You know, the first thing is, if you want to be a great leader, the first litmus test is you have to be willing to uh, give feedback regularly and honestly and receive feedback <laughs> regularly, honestly. And and the, the higher you go up, the more power you have as a leader, the more control you have over what feedback you get. So you need to be more intentional and you know very, very intentional to make sure you're getting true feedback from your people. And then it's a key to hiring. Like, that's why I love what you said. You want to hire people, only hire people who are willing and brave enough to give feedback to the boss, you know, when it's invited and who will take and receive and be brave. It's not that they won't overreact sometimes or be defensive, but generally have a propensity and, you know, emotional intelligence level where they can take feedback. And if we just did those things and just hired, if we led from a place of giving and receiving feedback, and hired people who can give and receive feedback, that's, they're, they're, they're crucial. I really can't think of many things that are more important than that when it comes to a leader leading well and people being right for a team. Yeah, same for me, it's all about that. And again, like the, the, more, the more you have like conversation with people, the more they will trust you too, that your feedback is, you know, like it's not about like, uh, pushing them down or like shaming them or anything, but really about achieving the goals uh, we, we have set for ourselves. So that's why also like it's mm. in order to, to welcome that transparency, you, you need to be able, you need to, to listen a lot and you need to, to be able to show sometimes also your own weaknesses, right? Um, yeah. Not being afraid like because, you know, sometimes it's feedback, but sometimes also like you need to be able to show your own failures uh because if you're willing to do that people will respect you more 100 percent. and and you've got to be careful we all have bad days but if you shut down someone's feedback to you your chances of them ever trying again are going to be really low so we need to and it's and it's so counterintuitive because we you know we want to protect ourselves and we get defensive but when someone gives you feedback on something you can do better as a leader you need to go like 10 times harder than normal to make sure you listen, make sure they feel heard and you really take it on board because what you're doing is you're going to set a precedent. And if you don't handle it well and they don't feel heard, then they're not going to come back to you again in the future. Yeah, exactly. So Ugo, tell us a little bit about your current company and I'm interested to know through the pandemic, what's been sort of the biggest challenge for you as a leader the past couple of years? All right. So the company, um, so Gourmet Pro, when, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not from the food and beverage industry at all. I'm, I'm Gourmet Pro is a, is a network of, uh, independent consultants specialized in food and beverage. So we basically, we build a brand, uh, we find customers, 
and uh, like companies who are in the food and beverage industry and maybe either want to enter Japan or already in Japan. And then we match them with consultants with the right skills. So it could be marketing, business development, or even product formulation, sustainability. And so that's the current business. But when, when we started, like in 2019, I wanted to build uh, just a platform because I'm a software guy. So everything, every solution needs to be a software. Um, I thought like at the time there was a, an agreement between um, an agreement that started between Europe and Japan about um, uh, it's called the EPA that reduces the duty rates on like food products from from Europe and the idea was to create some business matching platform where I would source uh, products and companies from from Europe and introduce them to to Japanese retails but like instead of building, which would have done 10 years ago, right away. Um, I, I, started, I started like in interviewing people, going to trade shows and realized that there was way more difficulty than just the introduction of finding the products. But there's a whole thing about regulations. There's a whole thing about like adapting the products or find the right distributors. And so instead of going there, we just decided let's just be consultant in uh, food and beverage market entry and understand like what are the issues. So we did that for a year. And when we started, there was COVID. So we started in October 2019 and then March to June, COVID starts and we had no business at all for yeah three, four months. So we just like wrote some reports. We had one around the retail distribution where we had like, there's like hundred chains, hundreds hundred chains of uh, supermarkets in, in, in Japan. And we did like a, a profile for each. <laughs> really had a, a lot of time on our hands. Um, but afterwards, um, like the, the food producers started working again because some, some workplace uh, limitations were lifted, but all the food service industry, the restaurants and, and uh, even the resorts and stuff were still closed. Um, especially in Europe and US, whereas in Japan or uh, Asia in general, like it was, there was a bit more potential. So we got a, a, an influx of customers then um, that just wanted to enter Japan uh, at, at the point where we had enough, I mean, we had too much work. We were just like two and, and like we were three um, and I had too much work. And my phone was like, uh, are we going to grow this consulting agency or trying to find a more scalable business model? And I, for me, I wanted to really build something more than just like doing consulting. So that's where we shifted the, the business model from being a consulting agency to basically outsourcing the consulting to independent consultant and work on the scalability issue. So somehow like wow. trying to, yeah. So the, the difficulty there is to provide, like to have the, to have a, a mechanism of quality control, right? When it's your own company, right? You you verify everything that is delivered. Uh, whereas like when you have independent consultant, if you want to scale, you need to more uh, let them lead and somehow trust them. So it's all about a better vetting process and potentially some uh, fallback mechanism if something is wrong, like replacement right away or so. That, that's that's kind of challenging but the first challenges we we had was more about communication and expectations so kind of like 
it's a bit similar to leadership issues in a way because we we had the first the first projects and like since we were still like in this in this vibe of like leading project ourselves like when we started to have like consultant involved they didn't feel like they were the main leader of the project so the clients were talking to us then we were talking to the consultants the consultants didn't feel like really invested and we were really trying to 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 get out of that relationship so that took a while also like afterwards the clients didn't really understand like so what's your position here like oh, what are you doing here like oh, i could just talk with that consultant right away i was like yeah but we found that consultant and we have them that's that's the 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 kind of uh, service we provide so all of this like both in like communication directly with the client the building of the brand itself like what do we write on the website like how do we define it is it the a network is it the marketplace uh is it freelance consultant <laughs> or the independent so all of these details you know like it's really hard because w when you see in the software industry you have like total uh, for example which is really well known uh that has exactly that business model and for me that's my kind of my benchmark um but for the food industry which is way more legacy uh, people are like what so you're a consultant but it's not you it's it's independent like what is this um so uh so yeah, <laughs> it, it really took a while to hone the messaging yeah and was, and positioning did you have to was it just so you, did you feel like your positioning was right but you just needed to message it the right way so people understood it or did you have to change your positioning so um we had to like the positioning was right in a way but at the same time you know, you go from 100% revenue to like, you know, a margin, like 25% or something, right? And like at, at one point, like you need to like quadruple your number of projects, you know, to do the same amount of money. So there's also like a problem of always marketplace of where are we taking a lot of small projects or are we taking fewer big projects? And, you know, like when you start, it's easier to do a, a sm um, fewer bigger projects um, because you have you have more time to figure out all your processes and stuff. But at the same time, the sales cycle for those are really bigger. So right now it's all about finding the right balance. What kind of projects do we want? Uh, or what kind of project do we need? What kind of project do we want? Um, and for me, like uh, even like in terms of inside the food industry, I'm really more interested in innovation. And that's why I want to lead the company into. Yeah. Uh, and that's and 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 so that's why, like at the beginning of when we switched the business model, like really beginning of 2021, at the same time, I wanted to switch the image from you know this boutique consulting agency to something like a startup almost, right? Like a, a like we're not really a startup, but we try to be. Um and it's like more focused on innovation, having a, a innovative business model, but also interest in yeah, innovation. And that's when we started like Market Shake, this newsletter just about, you know, the food tech, the food industry, like, and use our experience as consultants ourselves to give information that uh, we would have thought useful if we were working for those clients. So really like, for example, plant-based products, go mm. in the supermarkets in Japan and look at what's on the shelves and take pictures and like show them to our readers 
the really practical things, even like uh, interview people, like not trying to do like a numbers, but just interview real people and ask them like, what do you think about this? Like we did something on insects. What do you think about eating insects? And just like get their feedback. Like, oh my God, I would never have an insect or mm, maybe if it's in a powder thing, you know? Um, so that's also like, uh, maybe it's less of a need, but a really a, a want of uh, changing our positioning towards more innovation. Yeah, that's so interesting. Well, what I'd love to do, I, I'm, uh, I'm just enjoying this conversation so much. And uh, what I'd love to do is invite you back for another conversation, Hugo. And, and what we can do is down the track, let's catch up again and we can hear a bit of an update of, of what's happened and, and how you've taken some of the things you're doing at Gourmet Pro to the next level. And, and also what we'll be able to do is uh, get into Leadership Express then because I do want to ask you a bunch of questions, but I just enjoyed our conversation today too much. Right. So I, <laughs> I ran out of time for that. But um, no if, people, if people want to contact you, if they want to get in touch with you and your company online, what's the best way for people to find you, LinkedIn, Twitter, and, and Gourmet Pro? Uh, so um, LinkedIn, I'm at uh, Hugo Batayar, say my name, just, you just write my name and there's no homonyms, so it'd be easy. Uh, the website is Gourmet Pro, so G-O-U-R-M-E-T-P-R-O dot C-O. Sorry, don't have the dot com. Um, and yeah, those are the two main places you can find us. Yeah, beautiful. Well, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. Uh, Ugo's story has been really great. The one-on-ones, I think it's going to really help a lot of people to go and, and have a different approach for your one-on-ones this week or this month uh, and try something different. And I love Ugo's uh, uh, sort of structure. I think it's fantastic. Um, don't forget for our listeners, we also have the John O'White Leadership Podcast, where I give you tips on how to build a high-performance team and you know how to, how to become a coach and how to create a coaching culture in your organization, things like that. And the leadership question of the day, where I put a different question out there every day as a stone in your shoe just to challenge you and make you uncomfortable as a leader, help you grow. But I want to finish today by saying a massive thank you to Ugo Batea for coming on and, and just being so generous with your time and sharing such wisdom. I've just loved hearing some of your story and hearing about an Australian and how an Australian really uh, had a great impact on your life. That was nice. Um, <laughs> but also just finding out a bit more about you. It's been, it's been wonderful. Thank you for coming on, Ugo. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was, was great. I love the conversation. Um, questions were really interesting. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. 
I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership, and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage, consultclarity.org, right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders And you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this, I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and and please do that. And look for me, John O. White, or clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in step up or step out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself, and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it, and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you 
to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time.